in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, you speak and look what happens. So continue to speak in our hearts and our minds that we can be like, of all things, shepherds responding to you. In your holy name I pray, amen. If, if it was yours to decide who would receive the message about the Messiah coming and being born now? The birth of Christ. Who would you decide to host that message, that podcast, that radio show, that sermon? Now, this was not an announcement about things to come. This was it. This has happened. It's happening now, not coming. It is an announcement that God has come to you in the flesh. Who would you choose to carry that message? Shepherds in the field? 
who would be the perfect recipients to host this message, which news service would you use? Would you? How to get this message out to the largest crowd? Which social media platform would you use? Okay, now take it back to first century. You don't have those other options. Who would you choose? Surely the Magi, right? Oh, wait a minute. They weren't believers. They were astronomers. Hmm. Shepherds? Is that really the first option that came to God's mind? Or did God have a plan? Or did God have a plan? We have romanticized these shepherds in the fields. I have seen them on plenty of, of Christmas cards, and they're clean, and they're neat, and they're tidy, and they have gold. But I think there's a reason God chose shepherds, not at home where they've tidied up, but in the fields where they're royally unroyal and dirty. I believe that the good news of Christ's birth came to shepherds intentionally as shock value. We, we've manipulated that shock value into something tidy, so I would just personally like to take the tidy out of the room and bring shock value right back. There's a shock factor here intended by the gospel writers. In first century Palestine, shepherds were among the lowest classes of people. They came from the base elements of society, and in that day, they were not trusted, not even trusted enough to be a witness in a court system. Their word would not be accepted for or against anyone. That's a shepherd. That's not a viable vote. That's not a viable voice. That's not a viable witness. Most shepherds were considered lower than con artists. How high in society does that make a shepherd? And to that fact, add that the shepherds were on the lowest economic rung of the ladder and had little and absolutely no formal education. Shepherds were invisible in their society. Those no one with influence or power would even notice. Well, there's a practicality of that. If shepherds are over there in the fields and those with, with economic and, and uh, educational influence are in the city, how would they see those over there? No, they just have their lamb for supper or their lamb for an offering, not thinking through, well, how did I get this lamb? In ancient times, Shepherds were accused of stealing for the mere fact of letting their herd, their flock, graze within an inch of somebody else's territory. Their work demanded that they work in the fields. Therefore, they stayed dirty day and night. That made religious celebrations and participation impossible for them because they were dirty. They could not go to synagogue. They could not go to the temple. They could not follow normal worship rituals. So therefore they were excluded, what, intentionally? Well, probably. 
even unintentionally. They were not part of the society or the circles where decisions were made. They were a bunch of guys hanging out in the fields all night, talking, laughing, keeping an eye on the sheep, no doubt, just getting on in any way that they could on most nights. It was their job. So imagine what their conversation would be. Oh, you're not really imagining yet. Thank you for imagining. Then suddenly there was an angel of the Lord right there in front of them, not above them, not at a distance, right there in front of them. No respectable distance. That angel did not care. Shepherds, look, I've got something for you. And that angel knew full well what they were just laughing about. Did it dissuade the angel? No. That's our God. Who we are does not dissuade God. So what do you think their first words would have been? I know perfectly well what Vita read and what Scripture says, but just imagine that was edited. What do you think their first words would have been? Do you think that when they saw a holy being standing right there in front of them, their first words were, angels, glory to God. Sure, I love it. Then, the glory of the Lord shone. Now even dirty shepherds and ministers in black gowns and a stole could completely lose their train of thought when the glory of the Lord shows up. Now here's a thought. It's really glorious. It's really marvelous, except nobody ever saw the glory of the Lord but Moses. Remember Zechariah, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago? He, as a high priest in the Holy of Holies, did not see the glory of the Lord. He got shut up or volunteered to shut up one of the two, but not the glory of the Lord. So who got to see the glory of the Lord first? Shepherds, dirty, themselves in the fields. Now, if you were God's PR agent, is this how you would start God's incredible incarnation message? Is this how you would have gotten the word out? A message that would change everyone's lives? PR, is this really how you would do it? Guess not, because we weren't there. But this is how God did it. Whom did he choose? Choose? Every one of us ordinary people who, like a shepherd, might have dirty feet, hands, clothes, food. Why do we create hierarchies? Uh, that's another sermon. We won't even go there. But think of a shepherd. What is their job? Their job is to not lose a sheep. Not just the whole flock. They're not supposed to lose any of the sheep. So what do they do? They protect the sheep. Their job is not to keep themselves clean. Their job is to keep the sheep protected and clean. So perhaps shepherds were God's intentional choice for that caring aspect. Hey, you caregivers, guess who's here? Regular people like you and me to whom God stood, an angel stood and said, 
I want you to go see what's happening. Not because of any particular goodness of their own or, or our own, does God come and say, I'd like you to have a glimpse of the Messiah. But because God has an amazing commitment to relationships and does not care which one of us does or does not wear a preaching robe. You're just letting me up here. That's very, very kind of you. So maybe God spoke to the shepherds because this is exactly who God is. I don't care who you are or what you do. I'm speaking to you the good news about Messiah being with us. Or maybe God chose the shepherds intentionally because they're caregivers to a flock as God is a caregiver to the flock. As God gathers lambs in holy arms and carries them. And you and I are these lambs. Maybe this is the way that God spoke to the shepherds intentionally because of identifying with their job of protecting and caring. You do know from Isaiah and elsewhere, oh, Isaiah, or was it Ezekiel, talking about you shepherds who did not care for the sheep, and in that case, those were kings. You have not cared for my people. You have not dealt with them fairly. Therefore, and I don't like to preach judgment, but they got it. Maybe God went to shepherds because God identified with them in their caregiving role of feed my sheep, which shepherds would do without even thinking. Be faithful to my sheep, which shepherds would do without even thinking. Why shepherds? Here's another thought. Because God believes in the vulnerable, the forsaken, the hurting. Because God does not follow social norms, as you know well. Because people put on social norms, God doesn't do that. Because God looks at you as one of God's beloved sheep. Even though most of us don't want to be considered a sheep, just put that little mantle on. Because God believes in the vulnerable. Which takes us, takes me at least, so I'm going to take you with me, to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus, which includes the women we've talked about, those five women with vulnerable reputations. And I'm being polite. This is Matthew's intentional statement about inclusion of all outside of social expectations. The same way Jesus walked outside of the social expectations, his supposed guild said, oh no, you're only supposed to eat with these people. You're only supposed to talk to these people. You're only supposed to do this. And Jesus was every other option. Those five women will begin with Tamar. They're pictured here uh, in the sanctified art. The five women are here. Tamar from Genesis 39, whom I've already spoken about. She was rejected by Jacob's son, Judah. And then she caught him in his own lie. Gave evidence of his lie. Just as she was about ready 
to be put on the stake. And Judas said, she's right. She is more righteous than I am. That's the, almost the final line. And then she goes, and she's mentioned in the chapter 1 of Matthew 5, and she bears twins who are great-great-great-great-grandfathers of Jesus. Rahab, whom Kelly preached on a couple of weeks ago, just go back and listen to her sermon again. Another popular Jewish woman? No. Outside of the fold, but included and used for ministry? Yes. Why? Because that's what God does. The fold we make with boundaries, God pushes the boundaries aside. Ruth, a Moabite, who is a great-great-grandmother and many other greats to Jesus. She and Naomi continued to work for inclusion, and everybody noticed and accepted and respected it. Bathsheba, who in Matthew is called the wife of Uriah as an intentional, in my opinion, dig on the abusive part of King David, but fortunately the prophet Nathan took care of that. And Mary, the unwed teen mother, 2,000 years ago. We've also talked about that. So, First Press, your advocacy for the poor, the rejected, the ignored, the refugee, those seeking asylum and justice is grounded expertly in the entire story of the Messiah's birth and Jesus's birth. And then just look at the mission of Jesus through life, full of diverse people and offending those of us with particular opinions of one particular way. So that brings me to Matthew's house. We've been looking at uh, drawings of an interpretation of what the gospel would look like if it were a house. And today we look at the house of Matthew, drawn by Elder Kevin Burns from Highland Presbyterian Church in Louisville. Evie, can we pull up Matthew's house? Matthew's genealogy is theological. I don't know if it's genetic, nor do I care. It's theologically saying God has been at work all along for a very long time. Rather like a house that has been started, added to, added to, added, 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 and the house keeps getting bigger. Matthew's house is huge. It has three levels. It is not ordinary. I'm not quite sure one architect would sit down and say, let's do all of this diversity in one house intentionally. It is intentionally unique because so is the ancestry that brought Jesus to us. So Kevin Burns has designed a house with three levels, and those levels go in multiple ways. If you took a, a ruler and you took this, this drawing and you, you would slice a line this way twice, you'd have three levels. And then if you did it also down the house, you would find that each little portion, nine portions, each of them is unique. None of the sections of this house merge together properly. 
Yet it's a house, so therefore the sections do run together. And this is only the, the front. What does it look like in the back? How many stories are represented in this one house? Matthew's gospel reaches all the way back to our beginnings in Genesis, to the present and all the way forward to the Magi and us. Complicated, diverse, welcome, opening. The stories of Israel's history, their beginnings, Jesus, and the accepted reach all the way to those Gentiles. First reached by Jesus, whom he healed, and then by Paul, to whom he preached and proclaimed. At the time, they were outsiders. We have different names for outsiders now. But we like to look at Gentiles as the outsiders because we don't have to worry, be worried about being one of those. Oh, wait a minute. Most of us in the room are. The house, this house is Emmanuel, God with us, who includes our story, who has made room for everyone. Our story, our particularities, their story, their particularities, and they looking at us as the other and us looking at them as the included. It begs us to stop and look at Matthew's house starting from ancestry, which went all over the map. This, room, this house also has plenty of rooms for our failures. Failures that were practiced, that are practiced, that will be practiced because we're human. Matthew's house is where those who would otherwise be seen as outsiders are welcomed and have the pride of place. Welcome, strangers welcomed, and their pictures are on the walls. They belong here. When we say Emmanuel, God with us, it turns out that us is not the typical extended family, nor is us a birthright. We are all strangers. Us in the hands of God is the whole family system. Us is not a small house. It's a huge house that looks different from place to place. In this house, Looking out through all of those windows, I see Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Naomi, Bathsheba, Mary, trailblazers, one at all, waving at the windows saying, come, the Lord is here and you are welcome. Joy to the world. Amen.